Worthy, 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 oh, this is amazing grace. 
of Nehemiah for our scripture reading this morning, Nehemiah chapter number one. Stand with me if you would as we read God's word. Thank you so much for joining us here at Ambassador Baptist Church this morning. On your way in, you should have received a service program guide. On the inside, there's an outline that you can use to follow along as we study the word of God together this morning. Also, if you're visiting with us, on the inside, there's a connection card that you can fill out. That'll let us know that you are here with us this morning, and you'll have a chance to turn that in later in the service. Nehemiah chapter one, we're going to read verses Number two in verses number three, the Bible says that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. This morning, pastor is going to come and he's going to conclude the message uh, that we started last week, the God who builds. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for being a God who builds. And thank you for, um, like we just sung about, being the man of sorrows who is willing to uh, be afflicted for our salvation. I pray that as we listen to your word this morning, that we would be changed. We love you and ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, let me just congratulate you for being here on what some people refer to as uh, Super Bowl Sunday, all right? And uh, we're glad to have you, and uh, this, is, uh, this is an awesome thing, just to kind of prioritize the house of God as well as the Word of God, and uh, then hopefully later on some of you will be able to get with family and friends and uh, enjoy the game a little bit later on this afternoon, and so... Uh, I don't know how many of you are excited. You, uh, are we uh, who are we who are we rooting for today? Do we have anybody who really who really cares? 
Yeah, we sound divided actually a little bit right now. The Bible's very clear about a divided church, so we want to be want to be careful. We'll just leave that right where it's at, all right? And we'll move past that. Leave football for football and uh, uh, church for church. Uh, last week we began a brand new series entitled "The God Who Builds," and I'm super excited about moving verse by verse through the book of Nehemiah, as we really look at this awesome, exciting, amazing God that builds. And the story is about a man by the name of Nehemiah who God uses to really uh, build up a city. And yet there is a lot of spiritual implications as we will move through this book of the Bible, through this passage, that we can apply to our everyday lives as God builds up marriages, as he builds up families, as he builds us up spiritually. And we're going to see these themes woven throughout this uh, story. Uh, as we saw last week, we really looked at kind of the, what, we're, what we called the history of Nehemiah's story. And, and we looked at the subject of the story and, and the setting for it. We spent some time looking at the political landscape as well as a, a lot of the cultural landscape, trying to just give us a, a good idea of what was taking place during the ancient times of Nehemiah. So as we begin to move through this passage of the Bible, we'll have a great understanding of what was taking place and and how all this was coming together and so last week we spoke about the history of Nehemiah's story and today we're going to finish that sermon Uh, how many of you as I was preaching last week you're like uh pastor you didn't finish it, all right? Any of you following along in your service program? And uh, if you didn't get a service program, then you probably didn't even notice, uh, but uh, we didn't quite finish it. So we're going to actually finish the sermon uh, from last week. And uh, where last week we focused on the history of Nehemiah's story, today we want to take some time and focus a little bit on the hope in Nehemiah's story, all right? So if you have your service program, pull that out. We're going to take some time just to walk through this a little bit this morning from Nehemiah chapter number one, verse number two. Our theme here for this series as we move through the book of Nehemiah in the Old Testament is simply this. God often does his greatest building. Whether we're talking about building in our spiritual lives, whether we're talking about building in our marriages or, or building in our families, we said this, God often does his greatest building at the very place of our most agonizing brokenness. And you might be here today and you might be experiencing some tremendous brokenness and maybe the brokenness you're experiencing is in a relationship. And maybe you're here today and the brokenness you're experiencing is just in your heart and in your soul, in your identity. Uh, Maybe for others, it's it's just in your finances. And there's there's a level of brokenness that you're really experiencing. And I want to give you the hope and the promise that's found in this book of the Bible is God often does his greatest building. He often does his greatest work at the very place of our most agonizing brokenness. So rather than trying to avoid the brokenness and avoid the pain, we can come to a place where we can see God utilizing our brokenness and utilizing our pain for our ultimate good and for his ultimate glory. And and that's what we see played out in the book of Nehemiah. The transition last week, like I said, we looked at the history of Nehemiah's story. So this week, we're going to look at the hope in Nehemiah's story. So let's just dive right into it. If you're taking notes, I want you to see, first of all, from our passage, brokenness revealed. Brokenness revealed. 
As Pastor Nick was reading a moment ago, as we were reading through verses number two, verses number three, uh, there were several aspects of brokenness that was revealed in those two verses. And uh, so let's kind of take a moment to look at the type of brokenness that the uh, nation of Israel was experiencing here in this day and age. And so I want you to see this here uh, in verse uh, number uh, two. It says in the middle of the verse here, he says, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped those that were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And his brother, Nehemiah's brother, Hananiah, said this, the remnant that are left of the captivity, captivity there in the province, notice this, they are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. That verse 3 reveals a lot of brokenness that was taking place in the small nation of Israel. So let's unpack this. I want you to see, first of all, that these people, they were physically broken. You'll see the word there in verse number 3. It says they were in affliction. Now, uh, the word affliction, if you were to unpack this, it just means they were physically troubled. They were going through adversity. And so we might say they were physically broken but it doesn't just say they were in affliction uh there you'll see they were in great affliction they were going through a lot of adversity there was a lot of trouble going on in their lives can anybody here kind of empathize with what they were going through have you ever had seasons where you were going through a lot of adversity uh, maybe maybe at work and it just seems like man I'm, I'm struggling in this area and you're going through just a lot of adversity uh, there have been people in this room and maybe you've experienced a lot of just emotional relational adversity and it was wasn't just like a little bit you you could empathize with what these people here in israel were facing because it wasn't just affliction but it was great affliction how many of you have ever sensed like you understand the the old adage when it rains it it pours you ever felt like that before it's like, man, God, I, I can take a little bit of adversity. I can take a little bit of challenge. But it just seems like, man, it all comes down at the same time. And it seems like I'm struggling at work and I'm trying to keep, you know, all that going on. And then at that same time, it seems like I, I have struggles in my relationships that are around me. And then the finances come down. And I, I would say, like these people, we're in great affliction. It, it's just a lot of adversity. It's more than I can take. And, and there's a, a level of brokenness that you begin to experience in your life. These people, they were, they were physically broken. But not only were they physically broken, but notice as we keep reading in verse number three, it says they were in great affliction. That's adversity and trouble, physically speaking. But it also goes on to say, and reproach. And reproach. The word approached speaks to this idea of being ashamed. Reproach speaks of being disgraced. There was a level of humiliation that these people were experiencing. And maybe you've been there before. Like, you're going through the adversity, you're going through the difficulty, you're going through the pain, you're, you're struggling through your life, and, and maybe even at times you mess up, you stumble, you fall. 
man, you're, maybe financially you're at a place and you feel so bad because you desperately want to be able to pay those bills and, and yet, you know, now all of a sudden 30 days has gone by and 60 days has gone by and you're like, you feel, you, you feel disgraced that, man, you, you, can't even, you can't even pay your bills, you know? And, and maybe in a relationship, you know the type of spouse you're supposed to be and you want to be that and you're, you're just in a place where you know you've let that person down, you know you failed them and you feel ashamed, you, you, feel, you feel reproach, you feel disgraced, you feel humiliated. That's what these people were feeling. So not only were they experiencing a physical brokenness, they were also experiencing a very real emotional brokenness that was going along with this. You, you say, why are you bringing this out? Because I think even in the year 2017, we can empathize with what was happening here you know, 2,400 years ago. Are, have, you, have you experienced this yourself? Have you experienced it? I feel physically broken, but it's not just like physically. Now I, I feel ashamed. I feel humiliated. I, I feel this reproach. I feel disgraced because of the mistakes I've made or because of what I've allowed myself to get into. That's how these people were feeling. They just felt utterly broken. They just felt utterly humiliated. They felt disgraced. They felt ashamed. Like they, they, they felt like they were good for nothing. It's kind of, it's kind of what this is saying. Have you, have you just ever been there before? Have you ever been a place where you just felt literally emotionally torn, emotionally broken? Can, can I just say this? I know we're all in church right now, but let, let's just be honest with one another. Most of us have experienced this. We've had times where we've just felt like we, we don't measure up. We feel like, man, I, 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 I feel inadequate. Man, I know the type of Christian I'm supposed to be. I know the type of person I'm supposed to be. And I just, I have not, I've not hit the mark. I'm ashamed. I feel reproach. That's how these people felt. They looking around their city. They just, they, 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 they maybe put together the temple a few years before, but the walls are broken down and, and their enemies are constantly coming up against them, humiliating them, making fun of them. Their enemies are using their political power to belittle them. And so this is where the nation of Israel, this little nation, this is how they feel. They feel physically broken just because of the adversity that they find themselves. They feel emotionally broken and humiliated. But, but you'll see here, as, as we keep reading, it says here, and the wall of Jerusalem was also broken down. The, the walls here were broken down. Notice what it keeps going on to say there. And it says the gates thereof were burned with fire. Now, I've got to give you a little history lesson here. But in ancient biblical times, when they talked about the gates, all right, the gates obviously played a uh, practical role in allowing people to come into a city and out of the city, and it was used for defense, and it was used for protection. But there was another element in ancient biblical times where the gate is where the, the political leaders would sit. The gates is where the business of the day would happen. And so, much like we would have what we would call maybe the city hall, or where we would have kind of the political or civic center, in ancient times, 
the gates is where all that would take place. That's, that's where the city leaders would come. That's where the business leaders would come. That's where they would do business. And so, yes, while there was a practical element to what was happening here in the city, the Bible says here they were politically uh, broken. There, there was just the, the fact that uh, they had to send a governor here to the Israel, as you're going to see in later passages. They have to set up leaders. They were, in some regards, civically politically deficient and so what we're seeing here is there was even a political brokenness that existed in the city there was there was not the organizational structure to really be able to thrive as a community and so these people were feeling a political brokenness now I don't think we have to watch the news very long or watch the news very long as Americans to realize there's a little bit of maybe some political brokenness in our world today, all right? Can we get an amen? Maybe a little, all right? Maybe there's somebody in here and you're like, man, I, I think everything's perfect in the government. You know, well, then we, we can talk about that maybe a little bit later, but I'll just say this. I think we need to pray, all right? And uh, there's our, our civic leaders, and I'm so thankful for even some of you in this room who have stepped into some of those roles and you've leaned in to try to to try to speak uh, truth and love and to be a help in the political arenas. And I think that's an awesome and wonderful thing. But for the nation of Israel, they were experiencing some political brokenness. All right, you say, why, why are you bringing this out? I'm bringing this out to say that these people, what they were experiencing physically and emotionally and politically, is not so much different than what you and I kind of are experiencing even today, at least emotionally and the way we interpret this. And so there was a lot of brokenness uh, in Nehemiah's story. And, and that's really the foundation of what we find ourselves in. But then notice here, as you, as you keep reading, it says, uh, it says uh, in verse number two, it says, I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, notice this, the remnant that are left, verse number three, that word remnant, it's an interesting word. It basically kind of speaks to the idea of they weren't all left. There was a portion of them left. They, they weren't complete. It wasn't like all of the nation of Israel were there. It's not even all that were there were still there. Maybe, maybe what this is implying is, yes, some of the nation of Israel had, had gone back to the city of Jerusalem, but not all of them had gone back. It's also maybe even implying that the ones that had gone back, not even all of them had even stayed. There was a remnant or a portion or a part of them that were left. And so we don't know exact details, you know, about what all was going on. But I will say this, it might have even been that there were some families that were divided. So that is to say that, you know, maybe there was some families or extended families and some of them migrated back to Jerusalem, but maybe some of them didn't. Maybe some families had moved and, and it just got hard because of all the enemy and the, the reproach and just the disgrace that they just said, hey, this is too much. I'm, I'm, I'm going back to where it was a, it's a little bit easier politically, uh, where it's a little bit easier physically or even emotionally. And, and the Bible says here of the remnant, there was, a, there was a small group of them that stayed. And so this to me, as I kind of really think about it on human terms, there was, there was uh, some relational brokenness that was even happening. Not all the nation of Israel to get, were together. Uh, some of them were uh, here left in Susa, like Nehemiah was. Others of them had gone to Jerusalem. As we see in this passage, even Nehemiah and his brother Hananiah, they were, they were split up. They were, I mean, the, the journey that it would take to get from where Susa was, 
where we find Nehemiah, uh, to Jerusalem. Man, that's a, a long journey in those times. I mean, to travel 150 miles through, through, the, through the Middle Eastern desert is not an easy thing to do, especially with the technology that they would have had. And so even in Nehemiah's case, there was a level of relational brokenness, a, a, a relational disconnect. They weren't able to experience family. And, and in, in the nation, for sure, there was some relational disconnect. There was some brokenness there. There was some, there was some uh, things that are taking place. And so as we move through this, we see that there was some physical brokenness and emotional brokenness. Yes, political brokenness and even some relational brokenness. That just, there, wasn't, there wasn't that uh, togetherness that maybe they would have hoped for as the people of Israel. You say, why do you bring this up? Because if you're here today, you can probably relate to at least one of these things. And honestly, for many of us, most of these things. At least at seasons in our lives where we've experienced certain levels of brokenness. And so we see here there, were, there was all this brokenness. Psalms chapter number 34 verse 18 says this though. The Lord is nigh. He's close to them that are of a broken heart. And he saveth such as be of a, of a contrite, that's a humble and meek spirit. If you're here today and you're experiencing some brokenness in your life, maybe it is relationally. Maybe you're experiencing some brokenness. You just feel like, man, you used to have your life together. Everything was just kind of moving forward. But now you're, it just doesn't feel like everything's cranking on all cylinders. And, and there's a little bit of brokenness there. And, and, and maybe you just look out at the uh, country and you, you're sensing just the political divides and the political brokenness in the word, world in which we live. And it just, it just emotionally, it makes you feel like, man, everything's coming unraveled. Things are coming undone at the scenes. And, you, and, and it's causing you to feel emotionally broken. I want to say to you that the Lord is close to them that are of a broken heart. For some of you, all of this just culminates and it just breaks your heart. And, and you're here right now today and you're here with a, with a broken heart. Your heart's broken because you don't have a relationship with your spouse like you had hoped when you got married. And it causes your heart to break. For others of you, you don't have that relationship with family members and maybe it's physically uh, because of the fact that you live far apart, like maybe what was happening in this particular context, but maybe there was something that came in between that relationship. And now your heart is broken because the relationships in your life are not what you would hope they would be. Maybe you're here right now and, and, and you thought for sure at this point in your, in your life you'd be married. <laughs> you thought for sure as I got to this point I'd be happily married and I'd be enjoying everything that goes along with marital bliss, and, and, uh, but you're not. And your heart is broken. Uh, maybe your career, you're, you're looking back and you're like, man, I, I, I've been working for 15, 20, 25 years, and I am not where I thought I would be in life, you know? If, if my 20-year-old self could see me now, he'd be highly disappointed <laughs> with what happened. And maybe that's how you feel, and your heart's just broken. You're, maybe the business is not going the way you thought it would go. And, 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 and so all this broken, it's, just, it's, it's breaking your heart. Now, here's, here's the promise I want to give you. That God's close to you. He's available. He promises that his presence is near to those that are experiencing a broken heart. 
And he says, I even go, not only am I close, but he says, if, if, you'll, if you'll come to me with a spirit of humility and a, and a spirit that's contrite, we don't use that word a whole lot these days, but it's just a spirit that says, God, I'm broken and I admit it. There's some things about my life that didn't turn out the way I thought, and, and I'm, not too pr- I'm not too proud to, to, to say to you, God, that this is where I find myself. And you'll just come with humility and meekness to God, with that type of spirit to say, God, yes, I've messed some things up. God says, he saveth such. He helps, supports, cultivates those that are of a contrite spirit, those who have that broken heart. Uh, Let me say this as as I speak to this verse here. God often allows you to be broken apart. You say, what? God allows it to happen? Yes, God will sometimes in his sovereignty and his providence allow your life to kind of fall apart a little bit. No, God would never do that. There are times where God in his sovereignty and providence will allow your health to fall apart. He'll allow, it's not that he he wants it, it's it's not that it's his, you know, what he demands for you, but sometimes in his sovereignty, he'll allow it. He'll allow that brokenness. Why? God often allows you to be broken apart so he can put you back together the way you were supposed to be. See, you've got this vision of what your life was going to look like, you know, in your career. You had a vision of what your marriage was going to turn out like. And it might not have been a bad idea. Maybe you just had the quintessential American dream. I, I don't want anything crazy. I just want my piece of the American dream. You know, I'm going to start my business, you know. I'm going to have this type of marriage, you know, the little house with the picket fence, you know. And you had your vision of the American dream. And, and that in and of itself is not necessarily a wrong thing. But it might be that God had a different vision for your life. It might be that God had a different plan for your life. It might be that God had something unique for you. You say, wait a second. I thought God just wanted me to be happy and healthy and wealthy and prosperous. I thought that was God's plan for my life. Sometimes it is. And sometimes it's not. You say, but I've been doing the best I can. I've been living the best I can. I don't understand why my life's turning out this way. Let me give you an illustration. Maybe you've heard of him. His name was Jesus. From what I understand, he's a pretty good guy. (laughs) Remember how his life kind of came to an end when it came to his death on the cross? Here's the point. Just because you dot all your I's and cross your T's and do everything you're supposed to do doesn't automatically mean that your life is going to be, you know, healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. That's, that's not how it ended. Now, I'll say this. Thank God that <laughs> Jesus rose from the dead as our Savior. The story didn't end with him on the cross. That's a, an incredible theological reality. But if it was tough for Jesus, who was perfect, don't think it unfair or unjust when your life goes through these seasons of brokenness. Sometimes God allows our lives to be broken apart so he can put us back together the way we were supposed to be. In Matthew, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. We've read this before in the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Contrary to what many of us think, brokenness really is the pathway to blessing. You say, what? 
allowing God to do his work in our life and allowing him to mold us and even allowing him to break aspects of our dreams and aspects of our vision, can I say this? Brokenness is the pathway to blessing. There are no alternative routes. There are no shortcuts to this thing. The very thing that we often dread and are tempted to resist, that brokenness and those pains and those trials, actually are the means to God's greatest blessings in our lives. You say, why is that? Because he breaks apart the things that we think we want so he can take the pieces and put it back together the way he dreamed and the way he envisioned. And I'll say this, there have been seasons in my life where God has broken something apart, taken the dream and shattered it. You've ever experienced a shattered dream? left my heart in agony and brokenness and then in time took all the shattered pieces put them back together in a way I would have never imagined and in all of its messiness and all of its brokenness created a beautiful masterpiece that I could have never envisioned that was different than I would have planned that was not my first choice in my flesh but looking back on it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Why? Because it was God's plan. It was his dream. And his dream comes with a peace that passeth understanding and a joy unspeakable, full of glory. To be able to enjoy his love and affection in such deep ways that even though I don't have my picture perfect idea of what I thought that dream should be, in reality, God broke that apart and in its place gave me something that was so much better. And yet there's a humility that has to come with that. So we see a brokenness revealed in Nehemiah's story. Now you say, now pastor, you said this sermon was called the hope of Nehemiah's story. That doesn't sound very hopeful. <laughs> you tricked us. That was a big lie. So let's go there, all right? Not only do we see brokenness revealed, but as we read through the passage of Nehemiah, we're going to see brokenness restored. Brokenness restored. And, and that's the theme of this entire book. The theme of the book of Nehemiah really is the story of redemption. God taking broken and shattered things and restoring them into something more beautiful, restoring them into something more glorious than was ever there previously throughout the book of nehemiah god restores all kinds of brokenness as we saw in the previous point this is symbolized in the rebuilding and restoration of the wall around the city so on a in a physical perspective on, on a physical plane we're going to see nehemiah being used of god as a civic leader to build up the city both civically and politically but as you look carefully at the story of Nehemiah, you're going to see that the building of this wall, that there are some things going on behind the scenes, there's some things happening in the hearts of these people, where this wall really becomes symbolic for a spiritual building, a spiritual development, a spiritual growth that's going to take place in the hearts and lives of the nation of Israel. And, and so you've got to see this wall, you've got to see this building as not the main point of Nehemiah. 
If we get through this whole book and, and you're like, man, I feel like I'm more qualified to maybe be an engineer or an architect in my future, and that's what you take away from this, you're going to have missed the point of what Nehemiah is all about. This, this book is not necessarily a, a, a book on how to be a better civic leader and how to build cities and develop cities. There's probably some practical wisdom that can be gleaned there. But what it's teaching us is how God builds lives. You see, before, before as we're going to see next week, before God ever used Nehemiah to build up a city, God had to first build up a man. And in this case, his name was Nehemiah. And oftentimes, before God's going to build something up in your life, he wants to build up your life first. And that's the theme of the book of Nehemiah. It's about a God who builds people. It's about a God who builds lives. It's about a God who develops and grows and cultivates the soul of humanity. And this city that gets built up in the book of Nehemiah is just a symbolic icon of what God actually does in the spiritual realm by his grace. And for his glory, it's the building of man. And this book is going to be brokenness revealed, and then as we move through its passages, brokenness restored. Yes, we're going to see a city wall that is broken get restored. But we're also going to see a nation that felt reproach, and we're going to see that restored. Where they were feeling emotionally broken, that's going to be restored. Where they felt physically broken, they're going to see that restored. And we're going to see passage after passage that really speaks of the redemption of God, how God takes broken things and makes them new. That's the story of Nehemiah. It's the story of redemption. It's the story of a God who builds. Before Christ, we were more broken than we could ever realize. But now in Christ, we're more blessed than most of us even imagine. And that's what we want to unpack a little bit, how in Christ we are whole. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 14, the prophet declares, he says, heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. The prophet Jeremiah, he had confidence in God. He said, God, not only do I believe you can heal, he says, if your sovereignty and providence allows it, I will be healed. I, I don't just believe that you can, I believe that you will. And here we see in a passage a prophet Jeremiah who's just declaring with his lips his confidence in the ability and power of God to do great and mighty things when it comes to seeing brokenness restored in the life. Behind everything beautiful... There has been some type of brokenness. Oftentimes, I'll have the opportunity of, of meeting an individual. You've had this experience too, I'm sure, at some point in your life. You meet something, and there's something just about their soul, something about their spirit that just resonates deeply with who you are. It's like, man, there's something, there's something beautiful about this person's soul. There's something just incredibly humble Something incredibly gracious about who this person is. And I've had experiences like this where I've gotten to know people and it's like, man, they're just, 
they're just so humble and they're so kind and they're so filled with joy, but, but it feels like a dichotomy because you can see as you look into their eyes, there's maybe a, there, there's a, a deep pain, but joy that emerges from it. And oftentimes, as I get to know sometimes these people, it's amazing how sometimes some of the most humble, meek, joy-filled, peace-filled individuals, oftentimes, as I get to know them deeper, have backstories of incredible pain. These people who have, who have felt hurt in ways that I could hardly even imagine people who have gone through just destitute trials, and and I scratch my head and think, how are you even alive? How are are you psychologically able to just function? And yet there's a grace upon their lives. And what I find in, in in the most beautiful people have often backstories of incredible brokenness, incredible pain. I know several of you in this room quite well, and it's amazing as I look at different people how, how so many of you have endured such affliction. You've gone through health trials and financial trials. Others of you have just gone through trials when it comes to relationships, and it's been difficult, and it's been hard. And it's amazing how all that brokenness for many, many of you have actually redounded to that much more beauty, to the glory of God. Behind everything beautiful, there's been some kind of brokenness. I wrote this a few years ago. God delights in using broken things. It takes broken soil to produce a harvest. It takes broken clouds to give rain. It takes broken grain to give bread. It takes broken bread to give human life strength. In fact, it's the broken alabaster box found in the Gospel of Matthew that gives forth a perfume that fills that room with an aroma to the glory of Jesus Christ. And my friends, it is the broken life fully and completely surrendered to the sovereignty of God that is able to deeply experience the depths of God's amazing grace. I'm not trying to say that only broken people get God's grace, but what I am trying to focus on, what I am trying to emphasize, it's amazing to me how people who have experienced brokenness and have allowed that brokenness to take them to a place of surrender and humility before God, it's amazing to me how they're able to deeply experience the depths of the grace of God in ways that those of us who who have access to that grace don't often experience the same way. That's what I'm trying to say. Seems like everything beautiful in life comes from a really broken place. And just like Nehemiah, as we'll see, uses the very stones from the broken down walls and the broken cities, he's going to use those very stones now in few, to, to build up the city and build up the walls. In, in much the same way, God uses the very pieces of our broken lives, but, ra- but not just to uh, create 
to take those pieces and literally create something new and to create something beautiful. Not just push it all aside, but to literally use those broken pieces to build up something new and to build up something beautiful. That's what God does in the book of Nehemiah, but that's what God wants to do in the story of your life. And I know this is not the way we want it to play out. Because if you're like me, you want God to completely do away with all the hurt and the pain and the brokenness. Clear it all out and then give us something totally brand new in its place. But I have found the way God often works. Like Nehemiah is going to use broken stones to build a new wall, God will use the broken pieces of your life. The broken parts of your story the broken pieces of your past to build up something new and beautiful in your future. See, some of you, you have broken relationships in your past. Others of you have experienced addiction in your past. Some of you know what it is to just hurt financially. Some maybe have gone through bankruptcy and others of you have, have, have literally gone through health situations that are so awful and so terrible. And I know what we want to do. We want to say, God, make that part of my story completely gone and God, give me something brand new. And yet in the future, what God's going to do is he's going to take those painful pieces of your life and those broken pieces of your life and he's going to use those pieces, those parts to write your story in the days ahead. And it'll be beautiful in a way that we could never conjure up ourselves. As we said last week, God doesn't just build us up in spite of the broken parts of our lives, but rather God builds us up using the broken pieces of our lives. And that's the promise of redemption. That's the promise of what we see in this passage. Oh, the theme is, is redemption. Psalms chapter number 51, verse number 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And a broken and contrite, a humble heart, oh God, thou will not despise. You know what? God loves it when we surrender our brokenness to him. We can fight it. We can grow bitter toward it. We can resist it. And God's saying, I want you to humbly surrender it. Why? Because spiritual beauty arises from the ashes of spiritual brokenness. That's where the beauty emerges from. So here's our takeaway as we end this morning. God can heal a broken heart. But you've got to give him the pieces. You've got to surrender them to him. You say, what does that mean? It means, it means simply this. You've got to release it. See, some of you are holding on to the broken pieces of your past. You're, you play the past in your conscious and subconscious mind over and over and over. My friend, that is not releasing it to the spirit. Every time you allow your consciousness to dwell and meditate on the brokenness of your past, you are literally picking up and holding strongly onto something that God says you need to less let go. The gospel, uh, the, the epistle of J, the, in the book of James, the Bible says, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. You've 
got to let it go. God can heal a broken heart, but you've got to give him the pieces. What does that mean? We're not talking metaphysically here. We're not just talking in some abstract kind of way. I'm talking about in the recesses of your consciousness, you've got to ask God for the grace to stop dwelling on it, to stop thinking about it. Like the Apostle Paul, forgetting those things which are behind. Why? Because there is now, therefore, no condemnation to them that are in Christ. The enemy wants to try to convince you that the only way you're going to get past it is if you hold on to it and try to figure it out and put the pieces together and and you can do this. That's not the answer. The answer is to say, God, I don't know how to let this go from my mind. I don't know how to let this go from my thinking, but I want to cast this upon you. And God, if you'll give me the grace, I want to redirect my focus and look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, to stop focusing on the past and start focusing on the person of Jesus, his beauty, his grace, and his goodness upon our lives. You, you got to let it go. You got to release it. You got to cast your care upon God. God can heal a broken heart, but you got to give him the pieces. And every time you allow those pieces from five years ago and 10 years ago, from last week or the week before, to just play over and over and over in your head like a broken record, I want to say this, you're not releasing it. You haven't let it go. And this is not a one-time deal. How many of you understand this? Okay? This is not something you do once, and then you're like, man, I made a decision to release it and let it go, and then for the rest of your Christian experience, it's all good. This is not a one-time deal. I have found in my experience, and I think many of you have found in your experience, that this is a, a daily routine. In fact, I've had times where this experience literally had to be a moment by moment. I had experienced earlier this week, and I gave something to God. I said, God, this is, it was just playing in my consciousness, playing in my mind, and, and I, I just, ah, oh, I, was, I wasn't releasing. And so I prayed. I said, God, give me the grace. Just release this, to give this to you. I don't want to focus on it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want playing it through my subconscious. I gave it to God, and I felt great. This is awesome. And then four minutes later, it was back. <laughs> Been there? Okay. This might be something that you literally have to do regularly. And for some of us, it's not even like every day. Like, well, if I do it every morning during my quiet time with Jesus, that's good. You should do that. But can I say this? For some of us here, this is like something we're going to have to do, especially at the beginning in some areas of of healing. We're going to have to do this like every few minutes. Cast it to God. The enemy is going to try to get you to focus on it again. Cast your care upon him. Enemy is going to, something's going to remind you. It's going to be back there again. Something's going to jog your memory. You're going to have to put those things which are behind you again. You have to remind yourselves no condemnation to them that walk in Christ Jesus. See, the enemy wants to try to convince you that if you focus on it and think about it and just kind of about it enough that you can fix it a lie it will only destroy you all the while trying to convince you that you're smart enough and wise enough to figure it out on your own you can't that's the illusion that's the lie when the spirit's doing it the spirit of god will impress something on your heart and you will just do it and you'll be able to put it behind you you know it's the enemy when you have not been led to think about it it just it just is there where does it come from 
the enemy. God can heal a broken heart, but you have to give him the pieces. What pieces of your past? What pieces of your pain? What pieces of your brokenness do you need to release to God's grace? What is it? It's going to be different for all of us. What is it that keeps rattling around in your conscious and subconscious mind that condemns, that re-stirs up the pain? Because God wants to restore the brokenness. But oftentimes before he restores the brokenness, he's got to reveal it to you first to, to allow you to see that it's, it's still damaging you. It's still hurting you. So you can give it and offer it to his ultimate sovereignty and providence, shall we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for giving us uncomfortable grace. That is allowing things in our lives that are momentarily painful so we can experience, Lord, the deeper riches that are ours in Christ. And so as your word tells us in everything give thanks, we give thanks, Lord, for the revealed brokenness. Not because we want to live there, not because we want to wallow in it, but Lord, because you can use it to take us someplace better. You can use it for our ultimate good and for your ultimate glory, and for that we give thanks. Heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. But how many of you would say, you know what? There's brokenness in my life. And you say, my heart's desire is to see that brokenness restored. For God to do what only God can do in that situation. But I struggle to find the grace to just let it go. To release it to his spirit. To offer it to his throne just overtakes me again and again in my mind and I think I've gotten past it and then I haven't and you say pray that God would just grant me the grace and that by faith I would appropriate the grace to overcome that brokenness so God can do a fresh building in my life you say that's me would you lift up your hands pastor I want to pray with you many many hands I see these hands many hands many hands dear heavenly father God I pray for these that are experiencing, Lord, some emotional brokenness, relational brokenness, physical brokenness in their lives. And yet I ask that you would work all things together for good from that brokenness. I pray that you would turn beauty from these ashes of brokenness and do something new in its place. Lord, we can't, but you can. So we ask you to do what only you can do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to just take a moment for some prayer and reflection. I've talked for a while, but now I want you to listen to the very still, small voice of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to you directly to your situation. And maybe you need to pray and say, God, I want to release this to you, but I don't know how. I want to, but I just don't feel like I can. Just tell God that. He understands that we're feeble, that we're just human. But come humbly to him. Tell him that, not because he needs to know, but because you need to admit it to yourself. 
that you've tried again and again and again, playing it over and over and over in your mind to try to make it all come together. And year after year and decade after decade, it's only caused more pain and more misery. And you're saying, by God's grace, I, I want to release it. I want to cast it all upon the Lord. For he cares for me. Let's take a moment for some prayer. If you want to pray with a pastor, we'll be up at the front. And then in a moment, let's just worship God in song that he takes the broken pieces of our lives and he doesn't leave them there. But when we offer them to him in faith, he gives us the grace of beauty in its place. Let's spend some time with God. as we sing that now to you, God, to just experience you taking our brokenness, Lord.
Oh 
Jesus. 